Welcome to The Backstory, the podcast from Otis where we talk to cultural figures, creators, collectors, and artists about the things that motivate them. I'm Sean Williams. I am obsessed with sneakers. I'm an exhibition curator from Brooklyn, New York City, and I'm here with my man, Dan. Hey, I'm, I am Dan McQuaid. I am an editor at uh, Defector, and I live in Philadelphia, and I do lots of stuff. <laughs> and our esteemed guest today, we will allow her to introduce herself and not steal her thunder, but by all means, please, the esteemed, introduce yourself, please. Thank you. And I'm Vicki Toback. Um, I'm a longtime journalist, um, former music industry person, uh, and author of Contact High Visual History of Hip Hop, which is a book and now also um, an exhibition, both in LA and New York and coming to other cities soon. Awesome. Awesome. So here in the backstory, we like to talk to people about that one thing that motivates them to stay creative and inspired. And we found a very unique one for you. Um, Hip hop jewelry. (laughs) (laughs) I totally didn't expect that. (laughs) Yes. Well, it's, um, you know, it's funny because I, when, when you guys first asked me like, what is, the thing the one thing um it's so hard because when you love you know when you love hip-hop and you love music there's so much beyond the music right that kind of makes up the bigger culture when you're thinking about style you're thinking about visuals like and i think if you really love you know hip-hop you love all those things so i started to think about you know what was the thing that I was just really kind of fascinated about throughout or like really nerded out on? And I started thinking about, you know, style elements and, and just started to think about like jewelry and all of its symbolism and um, all those great moments that we've seen in hip hop. And I'm actually, um, I'm working on a a book. That's my next book project is um, talking about the history of adornment and um, you know, what people put on as jewelry and hip hop. So that is um, my next book project. So that's just been on my mind a lot. So I figured we could, you know, nerd out a little bit on that. Right, right. So what is it in particular that um, when we talk about the subject of jewelry, adornment was a great word that you just used. What is it about that in as- in the aspect of hip hop culture in, in showmanship that is worth a book in your opinion. Yeah, so it's it's deep, right? Because when we think about, um, you know, you t- think about the beginnings of hip hop and who was that dude enough to be out in the street wearing, you know, a gold chain. And, you know, everyone remembers all the, you know, chain snatching stories or all those big early moments of, you know, all the drug dealers and all the hustlers that were wearing, you know, the big jewels. And that was a little bit before my time. But like when I, you know, was listening to Run DMC and Slick Rick and Eric B and Rakim, I mean, all in LL, all that, all that great, you know, truck jewelry and the big dookie ropes and all of that, you know, you would just look and it was so 
powerful. It was such a like declaration of like, I'm that dude. And then when you kind of started hearing these stories of how the rappers were moving in the real world, you know, not just on record, but like in the real world, in the neighborhoods and who they took their inspiration from, you know, from all, you know, Nikki Barnes and, you know, all the kind of notorious like street economy, if you will, um, people, you know, I just, I don't know. I was just really fascinated because jewelry seemed to be a real through line and a real, you know, message of communication. Right. And it kind of it kind of set the tone for that, like hierarchy in the street of who was who and who clicked with who. Um, And then, you know, and then, of course, just like how hip hop remixed everything. I mean, when you started to see people with like the Mercedes um, pendants and you started to see, um, you know, people with like the BMW pen, like all of that hip hop was taking ownership from. And to me, I was like, okay, nobody's asking for anyone's permission, right? They're just being a hundred percent themselves. And, and I just love that, you know, that in the, in the early days, like to me, that was, that was so powerful. Um, and just, I mean, just a little, you know, I guess, fun fact, a little prequel to the story that, you know, I'm telling now. Um, my, so I grew up in, I grew up in Detroit um, and I moved to New York, you know, when I was, uh, as soon as I graduated from high school, you know, I, I hightailed it to New York, but I grew up in Detroit and um, my family, we were immigrants from um, Kazakhstan, actually. And we landed in Detroit. Um and we had this, there was this mall, you know, that we, that was in our neighborhood called Northland Mall. And, you know, so many kind of inner city neighborhoods have like that mall, you know, the kind of like inner city mall where they have like the jewelry shop and the, you know, the little like bootleg Gucci sweatshirt shop and all of that. I mean, you know, for New York, it was like the Coliseum Mall or Fulton or all of that. But we we had one in, you know, my neighborhood in Detroit. It was called Northland Mall. And my mom one day uh, bought me a little Nefertiti pendant. And, you know, I don't think she knew. I mean, she was like a little Russian immigrant lady. Like, you know, she didn't she just thought it was like a really cool pendant. And you know, she gave it to me, it was so tiny and she gave it to me. And I remember she said like, this is real gold. Like, don't ever, ever, ever lose this. Like if you're ever, (laughs) if you're ever, you know, if you're ever in a bind, you can sell this. You know, I was like, you know, and and I was, I mean, you know, and it's, I mean, it's so God bless her heart because I mean, I, I think that thing's probably worth like, you know, 200 bucks at most. I still have it. And, and, you know, and I put it away. I had it for years. Like I never really wore jewelry. I really loved it, but like, you know, just never really like wore it. And I, I put it away. I started re I started um, wearing it in recent years and I pulled it out. My mom, you know, she's passed away. So I never asked her like, why did you pick this Nefertiti pendant? Why like, do you know how symbolic that is? So it was kind of this like mystery, but I just, it was just like really just beautiful 
you know, memory that I had. Um, and so I started wearing it again. And, you know, it's just so kind of an iconic pendant that like people in hip hop wear. So I get asked a lot, like, oh, like, why are you wearing that? Or like, what is, you know, where do you get that? And um, so I just feel just like from a sentimental point of view that Nefertiti pendant um, just is something, you know, that I've started wearing that that I've just saw throughout hip hop, but always also just had from my childhood from my mom. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, I started, I, I started as, as I was like writing this book, kind of researching all of these local jewelers that were kind of coming up as hip hop was coming up and that service, you know, all the kind of emerging themes from like Atlanta, um, you know, Detroit, we had um, Hutch's, this place Hutch's Jewelry, um, you know, in LA, you had the Sloss and Swap Meet, um, where people, and then, you know, and of course, New York had like Fulton, you know, Albee Square Mall, the Coliseum Mall, the Diamond uh-huh. District, of course, and, 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 and Canal Street, you know, and those are just all places, you know, if you've worked in hip hop or been involved in it, you know, in real life, like, those places just had such an energy. So they, they were just really inspiring to me. One, one thing I really liked that you said was that they weren't asking permission. Um, I'm like a big, if I were to do this show that I'm a co-host of, I would do like bootleg t-shirts. That's my like thing that I love. And I think that's exactly why, that's exactly why I love it too, is that people are sort of creating something based off of, you know, another character or a brand or whatever, and they're just doing their own spin on it. Um, And I think that that's really, I never really thought of it in terms of like jewelry or, you know, like wearing a BMW or a Mercedes Benz chain, but it really makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely along similar lines. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I love the fact that, um, one of the, when, when, when she went that route, you know, Vicky, when you went that route to say that I instantly thought of, you know, in terms of no permission, I instantly thought of the beastie boys because the beastie boys kind of did the same thing with taking the Volkswagen, um, symbol from a car and rocking it like jewelry. Yes. You know, and I was actually going to mention that, but it's like kind of obscure. So I'm like, I'm super impressed that you remember that detail because yeah, exactly. Like they, they took the bull and I, you know, I think they did it kind of ironically because they probably were like, Oh, you know, LOL, like people are wearing Mercedes and BMW. We're going to wear like Volkswagen. (laughs) Um, So yeah, no, but just like, you're right. Like flipping it to be funny, um, flipping it to be an individual, you know? And so that, that statement, it's, it's beyond the jewelry. It's really just being an individual and who you are. And you know, and I think with, with hip hop, I think above all else, you know, hip hop can really smell out a fake. And so with you're just really genuinely yourself, that is like prized above all else, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, the self-expression nature of it is really, um, there's a lot of value there. 
and a lot to be said about jewelry and self-expression, which I'm sure you go into, which I'm sure is one of the things that attracted you to this as a subject matter. But how do you feel about the women's experience as far as hip hop jewelry goes? And I ask that question because I've always liked how jewelry looked, hip hop jewelry that is, looked better on women than on men. Yeah, I mean, especially, yeah, if we're talking about the early days. um, Yeah, with women, I mean, they definitely, you know, they had the opportunity to, like, use earrings as a big moment. Like, all the, like, door knocker earrings and the the dolphin earrings and just, like, even, like, simple hoops, right? All of of that. Um, And... There were, de- I mean, there were definitely women early on. Um, there was like a notorious, you know, drug deal out of out of Long Island. This woman, um, Nest, who has passed away, but she wore jewelry like in a very male way, like super duper, you know, layered, big, like gold gold ropes. Um, I think kind of almost like being kind of masculine in that way, you know, to to say like because she was obviously working in a very male-dominated um, space. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I mean, women, you know, w- yeah, women and, and all the, the earrings had, you know, incredible moments. And I think, I mean, anyone who thinks about, like, Roxanne Chante early on, they think about her MC incredible Light. earrings. MC Light, yeah. And then, you know, Yo-Yo, like, she had that great lyric, you know, my, the earrings I wear are called dolphins, you know. Uh-huh. So, like the yeah, when I think of women in hip hop, I really think about um, the earrings um, and all those great moments. But um, but you know, and then like even even I mean, if we're if we're gonna like fast forward to even today, right? Like uh-huh. a lot of the stuff that people like you know, Megan Thee Stallion or Cardi B, like the stuff that they're commissioning and making is really, you know, unique. I mean, Megan got like four, she got the four finger rings that one, like one hand said fuck and the other one said you, I believe. (laughs) And she posted, you know, she posted that photo like right after the shooting happened with Tori Lanez, like, and and she almost used jewelry as this kind of like empowerment moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so the like the women of today are just as on point, like as as the guys of today that are doing it. And it's um, who else is, do I love? Oh, Cash Cash Doll, who is like she's out of Detroit, a fellow Detroiter. Um, uh-huh. She's like next next level with her jewelry. She. She has like commissioned pieces to everything, and then you know the other thing, the big, the big, the other thing that she has, and I think Quavo has these too, but like they're, they're actually a very Detroit thing. These Cartier, like Cartier glasses that are um, have all the diamonds um, put into them. Uh-huh. Um, that like people get jacked in Detroit for those like the Cartier glasses, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, she's, she's a big like jewelry, um, icon, I think of, of today. Um, but, but, you know, cause yeah, I mean, I think also when you talk about that, you talk about women 
I mean, look, the jewelry was all expensive, right? And a lot of it is like commissioned especially for them or made for them. And so, you know, I think you're talking about economic power too. And, you know, when women and female rappers are able to do that for themselves, um, you know, it says something about their standing in the industry and them controlling their careers and, and all of that. So, um, so I like it, you know, I like to just see them like having fun with it right now too. Yeah. I remember the early two thousands, it was a rite of passage when you got your record deal to go to Jacob, the jeweler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you know, that that's a prime example of, you know, these guys, they get a record deal, guy, girl, whoever get a record deal, the advance money comes in. And, you know, even Kanye has made bold statements about, you know, first thing I did when I got my advance check was I went to Jacob the jeweler, <laughs> you know? Right. So so they're like pivotal players in the world of jewelry for hip hop as well that get mentioned. And in Houston, it's uh, the gentleman who makes the grills. He's affiliated with Paul Wall. Yep, yep. So, you know, there, there are a lot of people who have become, you know, figures in the world of hip hop because of their ability to make jewelry for people with that level of self-expression. Uh, is that something that it's never gone anywhere, but is that something that you see continuing on? Oh my God. Well, I, I love, like I could, we could do a whole separate podcast on this because I'm, I'm super fascinated by the jewelers themselves too and you know you mentioned Jacob of course but before before him there was um this guy Tito mm -hmm. and he he ran um a place called Manny's which was named yep. after his dad mm -hmm. um and and Tito was really the Jacob before Jacob like Jacob right. took a lot of Tito's business from him but um Tito was the one that made a lot of the jewelry that you see you know early on and he is probably most famous for making Biggie's Jesus piece, mm. which set off the whole Jesus piece, you know, legend that continues to this day. It made it like, you know, the, the it's like the, I call it the hope diamond of hip hop, like Biggie's, <laughs> Big, Biggie's Jesus piece. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but, you know, what's, fascinating to me is the story of hip-hop jewelers is an immigrant story like all these guys are immigrants and now the new crop are mostly kids of immigrants who grew up on hip-hop and you know like tito he's uh was an ecuadorian immigrant and Jacob, and then like that whole 2000s crowd that you mentioned when you started having like Aviani, who did like Cam's um, dipset jewelry and like the spinning globe. Mm -hmm. um, most of them are like Bukharan Jews from the former Soviet Union. Um, all of them kind of, you know, learned the diamond trade back back in, you know, the motherland country and then, you know, brought it here. And, and, you know, and they hustle. I mean, just like hip hop was building itself, these guys too, you know, a lot of them were like, you know, came over and like lived in Brooklyn, lived in Queens, 
Um, you know, and on the, on the West coast, um, and also you had a lot of, um, like Ben Baller, you know, his lineage is also, you know, a ch children of immigrants that came over, um, Korean immigrants. And, you know, now those guys have all had kids, right. And, and those kids are also now in getting into the, the jewelry game. Like the guy that's known now the most is, um, Eliante. Um, he, you know, he learned his craft at Aviani and then went off on his own. And now he's like name checked in every song you can imagine. Um, but these, and these are kids that like grew up on hip hop. So they, whereas like the first crew, you know, not the first like wave of jewelers, Jacob, Manny's, they were kind of outsiders to the, like servicing the culture, but they were outsiders. Right. Right. But the guys now, like they grew up on hip hop and they, you know, if you didn't know any better, like they would, you know, they look like an artist manager or something or like, <laughs> you know, definitely, de definitely someone that can like hang. And so I love that story, that like great come up story that how as hip hop came up, you know, the jewelers themselves grew with it. And now they you know, they kind of have these like trusted people that, that work, you know, in, in specifically with artists to make the pieces. Um, mm -hmm. So I just think, you know, I think it's a, a great, it just speaks to how relationships are so important in, in the music and in hip hop and trust and, you know, just being able to trust someone to kind of say that your diamond is the grade that it is you know, that your gold is not hollow, like all, all that stuff. Like, I just love that, that ecosystem that, you know, that all this stuff is, is kind of founded on, but yeah, but yeah, you mentioned the two thousands when the pieces just started getting wild, you know, <laughs> like set, <laughs> yeah. the, set the tone Very for, large. for today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think Dan still probably has a G unit spinning piece somewhere. Uh no no un un unfortunately I had to hawk it for no 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 you you said the thing about um you know you have to trust the 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 jeweler have there been instances of like jewelers sort of getting getting caught with like you know cubic zirconia or or some sort of other I don't I don't know what other fakes are in 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 jewelry right yeah I mean. There's, there's been certain, yeah. So there's, there's, there's been stories of, you know, people buying, going into like a random place on Canal Street, thinking they're buying something like 18 carat. And then if you get it appraised, you know, which most people don't, but like, sure. you know, but if you get it appraised, it's like, it's 10 carat, you know? Um, so, or, you know, people thinking that they were buying something solid and it's hollow. So, yeah, I think there's, there's, there's a whole, a whole lot of, um, like foul play and, and overpaying for pieces. Um, I was just, I was just thinking like in the world of, of, I have a friend who's a music producer and he's really into sneakers and he's like, yeah, I can never like. I always have to buy retail because if I get a fake, someone's going to be like, oh, you're the music producer who wears fake sneakers. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that can really hurt your your reputation. Yeah. Oh, 
Oh, totally. You know, well, yeah. And, and I think um, sometimes it's just worth it to not try to get a bargain in some things. I mean, sure. so one, this concept that I, you know, kind of went deep on when I was doing my book research is um, like Veblen goods. They call them Veblen goods. And it's really like a class. It's like an, an it's an economic term for a class of luxury goods that the hot like the higher the price the higher the demand and it's sort of like the opposite of what usual consumer psychology is like the lower the price the more people want you know it's like more attractive sure. but there's these you know there's this class of goods veblen goods and so you think about like birkin bags you think about um you know, luxury jewelry, you think about like the rare Rolexes, um, you know, the presidentials or the Daytonas that the higher the price, the more people want them. And a lot of times that's the case too with sneakers. So like this culture of like, scare, you know, scarcity, the more rare and the more expensive something is, the greater the demand. Um, like if a Birkin bag went on sale, people might not even want it you know or so like that's why it never goes on sale yeah and obviously with with jewelry it can be like a you know a, a one of a kind thing that you're buying from from someone making it you know a one of one yeah and now you know it's almost like a one-upsmanship thing now um sure that people people are trying to make like you know really just super super unique pieces and now there's all these like colorful, colorful stones like Pharrell and Nego really brought in like the use of like colorful stones and then putting like cartoon characters or like, you know, kind of anime culture, um, like all, you know, the, like all the little Murakami characters that that's being really. But yeah, I mean, for the most part. You know, I did like there is the story where like Jacob supposedly when he gave uh, Khalees her um, engagement, he made the engagement ring for her and Nas. And it yep. wasn't like when they got it appraised, it wasn't what they said it was. Oh, that's yeah. right. I have heard this. Yeah. I don't know if it was Jacob per se, but I heard the story of one of the jewelers who was making jewelry for hip hop artists. And when they were ordering pieces that were with, let's say, 100 diamonds in, 100 diamonds in the piece, every fifth stone was a cubic zirconium. I can't remember mm. who it was, but that was around the same time. That's a pretty good way to not get caught, I feel like. Although, since you know this story, yeah. they, they did. Yep. Wow. I can't remember who it was, Vicky, but you got to look into that one. I think that's a big one as part of the story, too, is because I heard that. I can't remember who it was. I don't want to slander any jeweler out there, but I know it was a big thing. <laughs> Every fifth diamond was a cubic zirconia. There were four real ones. And then the fifth stone put in the piece was a cubic zirconia. Wow. Wow. I'll have to. Yeah, I'll have to look at that because uh, that's uh, that's. A, yeah, that's kind of next level. Like. Yeah. Well, you know, there, there is, I just thought about um, a, a great story. Um, 
so like label, you know, label chains, like the, mm-hmm. the, the death row chains and the Rockefeller chains, like that was a big thing in the 2002 when people started making, you know, label chains. And so there's, there's a video, there's a YouTube clip that I found on, um, that I found on YouTube and it's, um, it's Dane Dash and he goes into this jewelry store and they have a Rockefeller chain for sale. And he was like, where did you get this? Like, we don't, you can't just make Rockefeller chains. And they're like, he's like, where'd you get this? And they're like, we made it. And they're like, no, he's like, no, you didn't make this. Only Jacob makes them only. And he only makes them when I tell him to make them. And he's like, somebody sold this to you, you know, wow. and the jeweler. And it's so like, it's so tense to watch because the jeweler is like, you could just tell he's like increasingly nervous because Dame mm. is being Dame and he won't let up. And mm-hmm. he's like, tell me where you got it. Tell me where you got it. And the guy's like, we made it. And he's like, no, you didn't. And so this like goes on and on for a long time. And like the whole store is getting superheated. I think this was like a world star video that I was watching. And so, you know, so Dane's like, somebody took this from someone and they sold it to you. And I need to know who that is. And you also, he's like, and I'm also taking this with me. And he's like starting to walk out of the store. And so like everyone from the store is like gathered around. And so they're everyone, they're kind of like starting to like get nervous and whisper to each other. And this, okay, this is such a proud moment. So, so they start speaking Russian to each other. Um, Cause, and which I can understand and Dave can't, you know, he doesn't understand, but I hear one of the jewelers say to the guy that Dane is talking to say like in Russian, why don't you just tell him where we got it? Like, mm. and then he in Russian and then the guy answers him. He says, he's like, I can't tell him because we're going to have problems. Mm. And Dame, like Dame is, Dame is watching. Like, I, I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God, I wish I was there. I could have been so like, boom, like <laughs> got, gotcha. But, um, you know, but so they're, they're talking amongst themselves and Dame was like, you know, he's like, okay, I think I'm leaving. And then the video shows him walking out and the jeweler's like, you can't just take stuff out of my store, you know? And I don't know what happened after that, but, um, but that, you know, like that is an example, I guess it's not like fake jewelry or whatever, but it is an example of, you know, how, how deep it goes with these pieces. I mean, if you're given one of those label chains, like you're part of the family and you're pledging allegiance to that feastum of yeah. hip hop. So, yeah. Um, so I, yeah. So I, uh, yeah. yeah. When, da- when, da- when Dame reads the book and <laughs> sees the translation, uh, he'll be like, ah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> they did know. Well, Dame listens to a lot of podcasts. He might listen to this one. Okay. All right. Yep. Tell him I'm, I'm his jewelry translator. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, Vicky, what's coming up? What is what is next on the horizon for you um, in terms of this book and maybe some other things we need to know about? 
Yeah, so the the book the book is going to come out um, next spring of uh, 2021, um, and I'm really excited because it's being it's being published by Cashin. Um, they make you know just gorgeous like large format books, um, and it's going to be called uh, Ice Cold. Uh, there's also going to be a documentary that goes along with it. So mm-hmm. that um, that's all going to come out in the spring. Um, and, you know, the book is going to really start in the beginning, you know, late seventies telling that story. And then it's going to be right up until, you know, modern times. So, um, so I'm excited for that. And then separately from that, um, you know, contact high, which is, um, you know, for those who are listening and don't know, it's, uh, uh, the first ever large scale, um, exhibition of hip hop photography. Um, which also spans, you know, the past 40 years. Um, that show just closed at the International Center of Photography. Um, and it's actually headed to Abu Dhabi next. It'll oh. open there in, in December. Congratulations. Um, thank you. I mean, yeah, I that's awesome. don't think I'll... I don't think I'll be able to, I think we're still banned from traveling over there. <laughs> so I don't know that I'll make the op- opening, but we'll see. Um, and, and then after that, it's going to come back stateside and the show is going to go to um, the Museum of Pop Art in Seattle. So Sir Mix-a-Lot, call me. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, especially, especially if you still have your jewelry. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, but uh, but yeah, the show is going to um, open in in, uh, in Seattle um, next next fall. So we still have a ways away, but you know, at the rate things are going in this COVID time, it'll be here soon. We'll see what the rest of the future holds for us all. Right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I might, I might have to sell my Nefertiti pendant. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to end it right there. <laughs> That's excellent. Oh, man, Vicky, thank you very much. We appreciate you sharing your very in-depth passion for hip-hop jewelry with us. Dan, find that G-Unit piece. We know you still have it. I will, um, I will. Bottom of, the, <laughs> bottom of the sock drawer, maybe. <laughs> okay, keep it there. Vicky, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. This was fun. Thanks so much, Vicky. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security, which can only be made through official offering documents that contain important information about risks, fees, and expenses. Securities on the Otis platform are offered through Dalmore Group LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Private investments are highly illiquid, speculative, and carry the risk of total loss.